Welcome to the Flea Factory Podcast, where we explore how to put together your life, your passions, your skills, and your responsibilities. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back to the Fleet Factory Podcast. Thanks for joining me again today. It is a great pleasure for me to be able to introduce to you today my friend David. How are you, David? I'm very well, thank you. Wonderful. Well, thanks for joining me. We've been talking about doing this for a little while. We have. But we have finally made this happen. It is school holidays, so a little bit of more time is open in both of our calendars. So Yes. Um, thanks for coming up on a what is a cold and just starting to rainy day again, which I thought the rain was gone. Anyway. It isn't. David, we have, um, I know you've been listening to the podcasts uh, on and off and um, we've been chatting about some of the other stories that you've heard and and I think, um, as always, the conversation when I say to people, I say flippantly, well, why don't you come on the job? You should come on the podcast and, and tell your story. And, and your response is quite common to others and that is... I don't have anything to say. <laughs> exactly. Why and, would people want to listen to my story? And, um, and I've explained that. Well, that's really what most people say when I ask them. And so, why not give it a go? Who knows? So, here we are. So, here we are. So, how about we kick this off? Okay. I'm going to ask you the question I ask all of my guests. David, what did you want to be when you grew up? For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a PE teacher. That was always the goal. The idea, um, watching PE teachers, seeing PE teachers, um, the idea of being involved in sport and helping other people to play sport was always something that I wanted to, to be involved in. Okay. And were you heavily involved in sport yourself as a, as a young person? I was. Yep. Yes. From, I think I was about four when mum and dad first took my brother and I out to play soccer because we okay. were too young to play football. Um, and so, but when we turned, when I turned six, I Swap to play footy. Okay. Yeah. From the world game. From the world game to the Australian game. Yeah. So disappointing. Yeah. No, no, sorry. No, that's right. <laughs> You've come into the soccer household here. You know that. I, know, I have. You know, I know you know that. All right. So PE teacher was. So was that like a just as a teenager, like year ten, kind of thinking about, or, or was it was kind of you were set your sights, started kind of set your sights at the end of school on on becoming a PE. How did that um. Well, it did, was, did it start to eventuate or what? Yeah, it, it was always a teacher of some sort. I can't really remember wanting to be anything else. I flirted for a moment with wanting to be a um, cricket pitch curator because of my love for cricket. Right. But as soon as I mentioned that, Dad sort of put a <laughs> end to that with, I can't even get you to mow the lawns out in the backyard, so how are you going to <laughs> mow the cricket pitches? I love how that's the comparison. <laughs> So that put a quick end to that. Yeah, right. So that comment alone made a. That was it. That, that, that was, was done. It. it was okay. Back to, um, yeah, I'll be a PE teacher okay. and try and do that. You didn't so, think at that point maybe I should just learn how to mow the lawns at home and then I could become one. No, I didn't no. really get the connection. That how, how did our backyard have to do anything okay. with the Adelaide, Adelaide Oval? Oval? Yeah. Okay. 
What, did you have a white picket fence? Maybe that was the <laughs> other. There was, no, there was no connection there at all. No connection at all. All right. So you mentioned that. So teaching seemed to be. That was just a thing. Was it? It almost- was just a thing, and I never felt that there was an alternative to that. I never thought that I had other opportunities to explore for whatever whatever reason. That just seemed to be it, and so there wasn't much discussion. You went as you grow up and your parents ask about or you get counselling at school as to what are your options and what are you looking to do. There, there never seemed to be any big discussion about those options. It was always right. teaching. And so that's where it, where it went. So Career Expo, just teaching. It was just like at the corner, just that well, everyone even, go to the teaching corner. I can't even remember Having talking a about career else. expo, yeah, I remember right. we got um, we used to get a guide, careers guide, yep. that you could look through. I remember looking through through that, but nothing ever jumped out at me as being an, a different option that I could go to. Okay, you I sound, don't know why. Sound a bit like you just resigned yourself to the reality of teaching. Yeah, I had. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, um. So school finishes. Yes. Do you go straight into teaching? Is that the direction? Yeah. So straight into to teachers college. Yep. In amongst that, Dad worked at um, Holden's. Yes. And back in those days, Holden's was going quite strong, and so they would take on tertiary students over the okay. holidays. So, Dad's Dad's plan: get his boys into Holden's and make them work. Uh during, during those holidays yep. and so that we would get a taste of what real work right. was like. Right. So Manufacturing, was, factory yes, work. Yes, on the assembly line, learning a lot on the assembly yeah, line. Yeah, I bet. And Dad's theory was always that he hoped it would bore us into realising that study is a good thing and broadening oh, your, right. your um, options by studying was great because if you didn't, you ended up on the production lines. Okay. I did have fun with Dad years later saying you don't know how close that was to changing my mind because some days the boredom of the assembly line was really quite therapeutic. You actually enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) But it didn't have a long-lasting effect on me. So um, I imagine there's something quite tangible about knowing what your job is, doing it, moving on, doing the next thing, being responsible for that. That's a big deal, but... Well, it's it kind of quantifiable, right? It had a beauty. Uh, I recognise the beauty of that job is, or lots of the, one of the beauties of it is that the whistle blows, your day is ended, and you actually don't have to think about work until you get back there the next day because the cars will be lined up there. Right. The bolts or whatever your job is will still be there. Right. And so you can really switch off. Okay. I don't necessarily have that all the time. In teaching, there's not that ability. Yeah. I don't have the ability to right to switch totally off. You mean it's not exactly the same every single day when you go to work? <laughs> no. No. No, it's not. What a surprise. For all of those people considering teaching, it's not like working on an assembly line. There's just there's our first life tip for the day. It's not. And you, you think you can be really, really well prepared in teaching <laughs> and you walk in thinking this is going to be fantastic. I'm all sorted here. Right. And 25 other people <laughs> have... Something else to say influ- about that. An influ- yes. Right. Yes. 
Okay, understand. But that's part of the fun to it, I think, okay. as well. Yeah. yeah. All right, so how long did you work at Holden? So it was just... Through university or...? Yeah, just in the Christmas Oh, okay, periods. right, just little periods. Yep. And I did that for th- uh, three Christmas holidays. I remember being very grumpy the first time doing it because I was still under 18. So oh, right. I was getting paid kids' wages. <laughs> and I was there. I used to have to run to keep up with the production line to start with. It was right. hard work. And I'd come home at nighttime. I'd be lying in my bed and it would feel like my bed was moving right. as if I was still on the assembly line. <laughs> so there was no rest. And meanwhile, other people in my family who were also working during their holidays oh, were getting right. adult wages. For the same job. For a job where they just had to pull boxes apart and take nails out so of boxes. So not the same I was job. Not, I, was not, I was not happy about okay. that. I worked hard. Yeah. Right. Well, it seems to have set you up well, though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, any other jobs in and around there as a teenager? No, the only other thing that I did was uh, a friend of ours had a moulded car carpet shop. Moulded car carpet, right. They don't exist anymore. No. But um, I used to go there and help out and get a little bit of pocket money. Um, Moulding car was, carpets. A uh, family friend. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and also vinyls. It was back when cars had vinyl seats or vinyl floors oh, yes. and stuff. And so motor trimmers. It was really yep. supplying motor trimmers okay. with bits and pieces so nothing like a full it. vinyl interior to a car is there <laughs> on a hot summer day beautiful the good old days all you need is the metal seat belts <laughs> metal buckles our kids don't know how lucky they are no. not to have metal yep. seat belt and flat seats that aren't contoured so you literally slide across them around yep. corners yeah ah, so what? it's interesting that on the assembly line my first job was to put the seats together all oh, right because that's because so, you had all that vinyl oh, trimming oh, yeah. experience. Totally experience. <laughs> and you're still getting the kids' wage. <laughs> yeah. Kids' wage with experience. Yes. Fair enough. All right, so Teachers College. Yes. How long was that for? That was a three-year course, so Bachelor of Teaching. Uh, and did you prim- s- primary PE? Primary PE, that was my question. Okay. Yeah, so primary school teacher but majoring in PE. Okay. Yeah. You were living the dream. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> did you continue then with so so you're i'm going to give it away you you don't you're not predominantly a primary teacher or teach pe now so is that really correct interesting that no one has ever employed me as a pe teacher <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that says i'm not sure either no we can pull it apart <laughs> I, I am a frustrated uh teacher because i any chance I get, I yep. will uh, take the kids for into school sport or stuff like yep. that because I would love to be doing that and okay. that was always the dream. So I really enjoy and I value the opportunities that I get now whenever I get to take a group of kids away sure. on into school sports, whatever the sport. Yep. And the PE teachers seem to be happy for me to do that because they're they've had of, enough. They've had enough of that, whereas I haven't. <laughs> but it is interesting. Uh, I don't. Well, this year I'm teaching three primary classes, but predominantly I now teach high school. Yeah. And I don't teach PE. Yeah, right. But I really have felt over the years that I have morphed into something that is more me and okay. I'm certainly more comfortable. All right. I, 
I strongly believe that I would not be still in the teaching game if I was a primary school teacher. Oh, really? Yep. Why do you say that? I think they have it hard. Yeah. I think yep. it's a really, really, really tough gig. Not that being a middle school, high school teacher is not. Sure. But um, you're just having 50-minute or 40-minute chunks yep. of people. Yes. It's a tough gig to have a group all day, every day, lead them through multiple things and keep that together for a whole year. Yeah. And then throw in the needing to be an expert on everything. Yeah. That's really tough. And, and build I, relationship and community with family and parents and like it, it is it is a in, in those really early young developmental years as well, isn't it? It's kind of quite a quite a big thing. It is. Mm. All right. Well, you're not, so that's okay. You're not a private school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Teachers College finishes. Do you go straight in? Are you straight into working in? Relief teaching. Relief teaching, okay. First day of relief teaching was taking receptions at Blair Athol Primary School. Right. And I was pretty nervous. And you went back afterwards? (laughs) (laughs) I went back, yes. I I did enjoy it. And a few months after that, the teacher who was the normal teacher of the class, she was at school that day, but she was just doing PD. And she had a chat to me. She said, oh, I was looking at you across the hall because they had assembly to start with. And she said, oh, David, I was just feeling for you. You looked so nervous You're right. <laughs> sitting there. Yes, yes, I was nervous, but I survived that day. And I really enjoyed it. I did a lot of relief teaching probably for uh, on and off for a year and a half. I had in there, I had a contract at Moonta Area School and then a contract at Blair Athol Primary. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how long did you teach in primary school for? Ten years. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. What years? So, oh, what year? Yeah, no, school? sorry. Yeah, what what age group? Yes. Okay. No, not, not what I'm... When I got yeah. my first full-time job, which was at Heathdale Christian College over in Hoppers Crossing, Werribee in Victoria, that was yep. teaching year fives and sixes. Okay. And then when I shifted back to South Australia, I was teaching year three and four. Okay. Now I look at year threes and fours and go, oh, how did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) But you did. I did. And they all survived. No one... Yeah, everyone survived. (laughs) No one died under my watch. Everyone survived. Um, So you snuck something in there just before. You went to Victoria. How did that come about? I did. Well... Big Brother had gone to Victoria to this particular school that was really into cricket. Okay. okay. And they wanted to make cricket a big thing at their school. So he had scored a job there and another job came up. And off we went. Uh, right. Okay. At that stage, Jodie and I were engaged but not married yet. So I went over to Victoria and then yep. during after term one, I came back to SA. We got married. And Jodie left her job. She had a job in Udunda Mm -hmm. and we both went back to Werribee and spent four years at Heathdale Christian College teaching there, which we loved. It was um, a really good time for Mm. Jodie and I. Being being away from family when you're newly Newly married and just establishing who you are as a couple – uh, we look back now and go that was that time was really valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
and a, a lot of great experiences mm. and a lot of beautiful people that were part of our lives yep. and still are part of our lives yeah, today, right. which is a great thing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Because that's not nothing moving interstate, right? I, I talk to a lot of people, there's some people who I talk to who are just like that concept of of moving to take an opportunity for a different kind of work or a, that some people just say, you know, that's just not in my wheelhouse of something I, I, I feel like I'm capable of doing or I want to do or so I, I pull it out because it's like we've, we've traveled, like we've moved, um, we've moved for things constantly as a family and moved interstate and, and are now stayed interstate, you know, 10 years later and uh, we've been away from family for for large chunks of our marriage for for different different ro- jobs or roles or yeah just seasons in our life and so um, was that a, was it a difficult decision to go into state for it you? It wasn't or difficult. Was... I, I guess we had the security of my brother Andrew sure. already being there, so sure. it wasn't a totally unknown place. And I had yep. visited him okay. over there, so. When when I rocked up there, it it wasn't all totally new. I had okay. been and visited and seen, sure. and so I knew what I was sort of walking into. Okay, a bit. So I, I felt pretty secure mm. in that. Sure. Yeah. That's not the last time you move, though. No. And you work in other places. No. Where does life? T- so you're back to South Australia after that. Back to South Australia, and to still primary Victor, school. Still primary school. Okay. To Victor Harbour. Yep. Uh, it was then. Glendale Christian yep. College. Yep. Might have been Glendale Christian School back then. Can't yep. remember. Now, teaching year threes to start off with and then year four. I was re- Oh, here was my big moment. <laughs> There's a beautiful lady who was teaching year six and she wasn't into sport at all or right. PE at all. And she came up to me and she said, David, what do you think of this idea? You take my class for PE and I'll take yours for art. <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> You thought best idea I've ever heard. No need to <laughs> think through that one. Yep. That's yep, let's do that. Right. So that was that was a bonus. <laughs> it's quite happy in, to have those in, agreements in place. I enjoyed that, that I had my class and uh the year sixes for for sport. Nice. Yes. You can't get any more of that at the moment. That'll be good. You could organise that, surely. <laughs> we'll get it through somehow. Okay. All right, so back to back to South Oz. Yes. How long back here until another uh, adventure? Four, nearly four years. Because I feel like there's a corner you turn at some point. Yes. Soonish. And soonish. I'm, 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 yes, you're nearly I'm, at that corner. I'm on my way to that corner. But So it's nearly four years. Uh, things happened at Glendale yep. Christian School that yep. sort of changed sure. how things were a little bit. And there was a moment there where they found out my Japanese background, that I had studied Japanese at high school and okay. had done a little bit at university. And I, well, we just skipped over all that, so we're going to have to go back there in a second. All right. So okay. you have a Japanese background. Yeah, that's yeah. – <laughs> so, well, a Japanese no, no. So, learning background. Yeah, a yes. Japanese learning background, but that's not nothing, right, again. No. So once again, these are things people say, oh, my story's got nothing interesting in it. Yes, it does. You have way more Japanese background than I do <laughs> and a lot of other people listening do. Yes. So they discovered you had a bit of a – how did that come up? How does that – how does one sure. discover someone's Japanese? <laughs> Background. I'm not sure how that all happened, but because there were the two campuses at that stage, mm. the Japanese teacher was going from one campus to the other, and right. she had this idea and that perhaps I could do the Japanese to the lower year levels at the Victor campus, okay, right. and that would stop her from going back and forth, back and okay. forth. Well, I had I jumped 
at that okay. opportunity because that was also another love as okay. as well as PE. If I had had the opportunity to do Japanese through uni, that would have been amazing. That didn't work out, but okay. PE, PE did. So, right. um, yeah, I missed all that bit. Yeah, so at what am... At what level was your Japanese language skills? At Terrible. That point? Terrible. <laughs> I was so I'm wondering because I'm like so because because if the prerequisite for being a um, and even entertaining the idea of becoming a language teacher is that you did some at high school. I could have a crack at German, um, but I that is a terrible idea. <laughs> it is a terrible idea. Um, but but there's more. To, there's clearly a, there's more than that to it. But you're also saying maybe not a like not masses more like no no at that stage there wasn't okay so really my background in Japanese at that stage was year twelve Japanese really? okay and I had ah that's not quite totally true I had done a couple of semesters through Monash Uni <laughs> while I was in Werribee okay I had a great discussion with okay. my boss at Heathdale who said to me why on earth are you studying Japanese because you never teach it here. Oh, okay. Well, that's quite okay. I'm studying Japanese because I love Japanese. Ah, I right. Studied it back at high school. Right. So you've hit one of one of my big words, right? You have to find something you love, right? Yes. So, you, so Japanese was something you had over time really fallen yes. in love with. Yes, and that goes back. Oh, sorry to backtrack. No, no, I no. See, this is great. This is the whole point, right? Because on first telling, you miss things. We all yes. do, right? We just we stick to. But I guess this is the whole point, right? Yes, this stuff comes from deeper, further back, and so I'm excited. Continue, so, <laughs> Andrew, who's two years older than me, my brother. He enters high school, and at our high school back then, there were a choice of five languages. Yep. Wow. Greek, Italian, <laughs> German, French, Japanese. Okay. And our dear dad, when it was choosing which language Andrew would try, yes. said, well, you're not doing Greek, you're not doing Italian, you're not doing German, you're not doing French, so right. I guess you're doing Japanese. Okay. And to dad it made more sense to be doing Japanese. Anyway, that started things off. Andrew would come home with his textbook and I would read through his textbook. My theory to start with was... If I read through this, when I get to high school and it's my turn, I'm going to have oh, a leg up here and right. I'll be okay. Okay. But I soon loved what I was reading and couldn't wait and, and to so get to high turn. school, to have a go at right. that. And was at that point, did you think it was just language in general or it was Japanese specifically? No, I think it was language in general. But Japanese is a really ordered and structured yes. culture yes. And, and language. Right. So I think there I, – I still strongly believe today there's something about that order and structure that I yep. love because I tend to like order. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and structure to a degree. Okay. Hmm. So it's like a little – I don't know. It's all kind of coming together in a – Yes. Nice little neat bundle, for want of a better term. Okay, so you've got a, a Japanese history, which we're slowly kind of piecing together. Yes. And by history, you kind of mean you've been drawn to it. Yes. I guess is what we're, we're really yes. saying. Multiple times, drawn to it before you even started learning it, drawn to it when you were learning it, and then when you started teaching 
even though you had not, you weren't teaching anywhere connected to it, you were drawn to take extra, yes, extra education in just at least keeping that going. So yes. that theme kind of floats in there. It floats does. Around. All right, so so this came up as kind of David likes. David's interested in this. Yes. Uh, Maybe uh, he could have a crack. Yes. What was your initial? Uh, you said yes. You jumped at it. I did. But did is that the jump at doing something new? Is that the jump at doing Japanese? Is that the jump? What is? I think it's both of those. Okay. That it's it gave me the chance to then teach the whole uh, primary school. So I wasn't just stuck with. Okay. That's a terrible thing to say. No, no, just no. Stuck but it, with my. It was my a change class. from it's, it's a, a class based to a subject. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, and band, as I've learned yeah. now. I've learned <laughs> that word band. You like that? I love it. I'm so not an educator, like in the school context, but I've learned about bands. I'm doing things in my arms like a band. Sorry. So it was that, that switch which appealed to you. Both of those things. Because ultimately PE out. was a band, right? Yes. Like PE was a, like it was an area rather than a, a group, yeah. So maybe the early stages of your middle school, high school transition there, that's... For sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What does your first Japanese lesson look like that you teach? Uh, on reflection is probably <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and because at, at that stage, uh, my knowledge of culture was okay without ex ever experiencing... So you'd never so been at this I've point? Been right, at okay. this point. And my knowledge of language in terms of vocabulary, was really strong, but in okay. terms of grammar, it wasn't all okay. that great okay. at all, which got me through reception to year six. Sure. Okay. but Count to ten, say some things, that kind yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Blue flower. Blue. <laughs> stuff you'd never use yeah. in real life, right? Yeah, Pretty yeah. picture. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Yes. All right. I imagine that doesn't fly at senior school Japanese level, though. Not quite. Not quite. No. Not quite. Okay. So, how long... So, you start teaching Japanese? I do. Primary school? Yes. Maybe a, a year and a half. Okay. And then things happened at Glendale and there were there were some frustrations in me mm. about, uh, I'm not sure if this is the place that I'm supposed to be at okay. or I want to be at. Okay. So, how can I possibly change this okay so japanese was a great way to do something different sure and i managed to get a four-week scholarship to japan okay through the japan foundation okay and it was an in interesting process because i applied one year and they said david you're very close to getting the scholarship but not quite there so i said to them okay so what do i need to do in order to be there and they said you need to do more study <laughs> I said, okay. I need can to know more than blue flower. <laughs> is that, yeah, is that's that? it. And so they helped. They were very, very good in helping me out in finding some study. And so I ended up doing a couple of semesters through La Trobe mm -hmm. University, um, online stuff. Yep. And so I applied again for the same scholarship, and I got the same response as the year before oh. to say, "Oh, you're very nearly there." <sighs> so I said to them, "Well, hang on now." I asked you what did I need to do and you said, ah, oh, just a bit more study. So I've now done a bit more study. So what, what do I right. next have to do? And then it turned out that there was a teacher in another state that couldn't go 
because okay. on this scholarship, so many people from each state were allowed to go. Okay. So they then asked, could I go in that person's place? And South oh, Australia right. have two people instead of one. Yep. Voila, I end up in Japan for four weeks on a scholarship, all paid wow. for scholarship, which was just amazing. All I had to do was attend all the classes and stuff, but yep. um, I had to teach a lesson of Australian culture to oh. the Japanese kids. It's always tough when people make you do that overseas. I've been asked to do that before. <laughs> what did what, you do in an Australian culture? What is Australian co- culture? Actually, what so, do you do? Oh, yeah. So it, I did something. I had one at an international um, uh, conference once where we had to dress in our national dress. Oh. And you see all these people with these like amazing cultures with amazing you know, outfits that match their – like so the meaning is like so embodied in in, in what they – and I, I rock up with an Australian flag shirt and a, and thongs. I felt like – and now I know there's way more to Australian culture than that, so please don't – please hear me right. But we just – yeah, so that's a whole other podcast. We're disconnected from some of our historical culture and our mixed culture, aren't we? Like it's such a – it's almost a shame, really, but it it, that's hard. Like it's a, <laughs> and I yeah. think that's something that draws me to yeah. other countries, Japan sure. and other countries that come into the story, yeah, later. Okay. But I just I love the identity of who they are. Mm. I think mm. that's a really cool thing. I end up standing in front of a group of Japanese kids, teaching them how to play two up, <laughs> and right. teaching them. Is that legal in Japan like it is here when it's not Anzac Day? <laughs> we ended up – I just did it with heads and tails. So we did yeah. – you know where you put – if you think it's going to land on two heads, you put yeah. two hands yes. on your head. Yeah. If you think it's two tails, we yeah. played it that way. Yeah. And they loved that. And then I taught them hot potato, hot potato from the Wiggles and we danced <laughs> to hot potato. One of my finest moments of teaching – so Australian. <laughs> so Australian. Yeah. So you've got me on it. I'm, I'm, I've gone on a tangent there just about culture. It's just, um, yeah, it's amazing. I, I'd, we, I would love for us to be, as a nation, more in touch with what it means to have that historical and blended and real multicultural. How do we articulate that? I think it's yes. one of our strengths is that that's the country we are. Um. I'm just reflecting for a second. Sorry, I just got a little bit kind of. How do we, how how do we, how do we articulate that and embody that? And I think maybe it starts with us understanding it. That's probably the first thing, right? Mm, you can't articulate yes. something. But um, I look at things like New Zealand, right? And that New Zealand culture. There's a real pride and a synthesis of, of history there, and and Maori cultures understood kind of in. I'm not sure there's still tension there, but how that all kind of. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think they they are a great example for us. Yeah, absolutely. How we really need to get in touch with our indigenous culture and embrace what that what that means for us as an identity, as a country. But you know, going back to Japan, I think I there's not many nations in the world where there's like really clear culture, like like it's and it's so different. Like I think that's the. For me, just on the outside, I'm like, Japanese culture seems really distinct. Like it's kind of very – and it's not necessarily like anything else. It's its own no. thing. So is that 
So I imagine that captivates your imagination. I, I was just when you're there, amazed. present in the country. That first time I was there, yeah, and just experiencing Japan as it is, yeah, it is just truly amazing mm. to to be there. Where I'd say to people now, even going to the toilet is an experience in Japan. <laughs> When and when a known activity becomes unknown. Yes. And there's so many buttons that you can push and go, what does this do? Wow. Whoa. Okay. Really Mental note, don't push that button again. I just love that bit. Yeah. I'll never forget uh, one of my first days in Japan. I walked past a little shopping centre mm. and there were people lined up outside the door. And my friend and I... We, we went, oh, what are they lined up for? Let's go and see. Let's go to the front of the line and see what, what's what going on is, there. Yeah. And, and they're selling cream puffs. Right. And people were lined up for over 100 metres to buy a cream puff. Mm. And we thought, wow, they must be really special cream puffs. Let's line up and sure. let's, let's try them out. Well, no, they're just, they're just cream puffs. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a big thing yeah. for, for these people that they're prepared to, to line up. Uh, yeah. And just... They're everywhere you go, every corner in Japan is just a, a wow. Oh my goodness, look at that! That's yeah. just amazing. Mm. I had so much. So was oh, that? I do have so much. Fun. Yeah, but was that a solidifying moment then for you? Was that a like this kind of history, interest, beginnings of a love for Japan turns into something else? Well, was I came back from that trip, and I said to Jody. Oh, I don't care what happens or how we do it. We have to work out how we can get back there as a family and okay. spend some time in Japan. Okay. Right. And? And. So just <laughs> I hunted then, how can I do this? And yeah. I found that uh, the Japanese government sponsored teachers from other countries, including Australia, mm. to go and study and do what they called a teacher training program okay. in Japan. And it was for a year and a half, and they'd pay you to do it. Oh, even better. So, oh, fantastic. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll have a crack yep. at this. I, I, I remember filling out the application, and I remember having it on my teacher's desk. And some parents who were good friends, they had come in for a parent-teacher interview with me. And they looked at that, and they said, you're sending it in, aren't you? Right. And I said, yes, I, I am going to send that in. But that was a big decision to actually yep. send it in. Um, but sent it in. Yep. And then came the, you need to do an exam to see how you go. You're hoping blue flower is uh, on the page. Yeah, I'm hoping that is there. <laughs> and so blue flower, like, discuss. <laughs> so it was actually two exams and it was a Japanese exam and an English exam. Yep. I reckon I would have failed the English exam, let alone the <laughs> Japanese exam, because I was sitting there going, oh, my goodness, I have no idea. Okay. And it really, um, learning Japanese has made me very aware of how little I understand of my own language, oh, that right. I can speak and understand English really well, but... Do you know why? Is that the question? Yeah. Putting it all together Yeah. is really tough. But anyway, I did that... Those two exams, I'm sure I failed both of them. Wow. But I get a phone yeah. call from the Japanese embassy in Canberra. David, we want to talk with you. Can we arrange an interview? And so we had an interview. Wow. Next minute, I have this big package arrive at the door, tick your um, 
preferences of universities in Japan that you would like to oh my word. go to. And that was quite amazing as well because Nagoya University was on the list of universities that I could choose. And Jody and I had still do have very good friends that live in Nagoya and they had been out to Australia as uh, assistant language teachers yep. in Jody's first school at Udunda. So we thought Nagoya would be a good place. Let's see yep. if we get Nagoya University because we know people yep. there and Nagoya University was where we ended up. So we ended up living in the same city as wow. our friends Wow! in Japan. Wow. This is cool. <laughs> so, a long way from curating pictures at Adelaide Oval at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. Not much grass grows in, not much. <laughs> in Japan. Lots of blossom. Oh, Lots of blossoms. Yes. Um, so, no, this, I know Jodie's not here to tell her side of this little story, but that had she had a background in Japanese before this trip as well, like before this point, or... Is this a turning point for her as well? Because, again, let me, I'll give away the ending. You, you both teach Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> we do. But is this, so is this together, the both of you kind of having a bit of a moment around this is pursuing this? that Jody is an amazing wife. She is an amazing person. We've got that on recording. That's so right. supportive of me that Jody had never been to Japan, had never studied any Japan Japanese. Yep. Probably knew konnichiwa, sayonara, and mm -hmm. that's probably it. And supports me in putting in the application. And then when I'm accepted for that, says, okay, we're going to shift. And at that stage, we had a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. Wow. And she says, okay, let's go, let's do it. And, and off we go. She's amazing. And Jodie has this, uh, this incredible ability just to connect with people. Yep. And to watch her connect with people in the park, down the street, mm. wherever, with Japanese people. Mm. She made so many great friends yeah. over there, which was such a beautiful thing for yeah. our whole family. Yeah. And and she survived. Mm. She, you know, working out what food is what in yeah. the, you know, don't buy the pickled crickets, whatever you do, don't buy them. There's <laughs> <laughs> a life rule, don't buy the pickled crickets. Um, and... Jody, so Jody was just amazing. Jody ended up doing some work over there. Japan is an amazing place. I just stood out the front of a, a private English school over there, and a lady comes running out and notices that I'm a Western person mm -hmm. who can speak English. Would you like a job at our private English school? And I said, No, well, actually, I don't want a job, but maybe my wife would. And so Jody ends up working there, and she's getting paid to sing nursery rhymes to two-month-old, six-month-old babies. In English. In English for, because the parents just want their children to grow up being used to the English sound. So, wow, Jodie's having a ball. What a job. Yeah. <laughs> what a, that's, it's, who it's would have imagined incredible. that job exists? <laughs> amazing. Just, just amazing. So wow. okay. our kids end up going into Japanese daycare, mm -hmm. kindy, type thing and that was that was a hard moment there was a moment mm. where uh, I had finished uni for the day so I went to collect Naomi from daycare and I thought oh, I'll try and sneak past her classroom without her knowing and just see what she's up to well I 
walked past and there she is on the teacher's lap, swinging back and forth, crying, and she's screaming out in Japanese, I don't understand Japanese. I don't understand any <laughs> Japanese. This is so hard. I don't understand. Oh and it's God. like, oh, my goodness, what are we putting our kids through here? Yeah, right. But they soon became better at Japanese than sure. their dad. Yeah, because kids do that, right? <laughs> I learned so much from the kids in the kindy. Mm. And after I finished studying, we went to a different town and I taught in a kindy and primary school. So valuable. If you get yeah. it, if you're a language person yeah. and being paid to spend time with kids and dig holes in the sandpit with the kids yeah. and listen to them and chat with them, that's wow. such a precious time. Yeah. Wow. So how long are you there for? So the university course was 18 months. Okay. I was not ready to come home okay. at that stage. I just wanted to stay in Japan. Jody was now in love with Japan also. Okay. And yeah. so the decision was, if we can stay in Japan longer now, let's do it now. Because if we go home, the chances of coming back are yeah. harder. Sure. So there's a tiny little school in the mountains of Nagano Prefecture, which has a sister school arrangement with Sandy Creek near Gawler. Thereafter, an Australian person to teach English in their community. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. I'll, yeah. I'll put I'm my in. hand up for that. Wow. Incredible that we went from Nagoya, that probably has about six or seven million people yep. in it, to Minami Aikimura, which has 1,200 people wow. and no other foreigners. We're the only foreigners there. Just awesome. So traditional. So yeah, like every, Japan, Japan. Right? Every traditional <laughs> celebration wow. was celebrated. Yeah. It was culturally, it was amazing. But we did we did chuckle that often we'd go to their little festivals and the only people dressed in traditional Japanese clothing would be Jody and I and their kids and, <laughs> and all the Japanese people would be in their jeans and T-shirt. But great experience. Right. Uh, so many great memories, so yep. many good people beautiful time so, so 18 months of the course how much longer then uh nine months at, okay in the in the village Amazing. and then back to australia back to australia it uh, killed me really it did it was, was that a have to or a it wasn't a it's have time. to it was it was time little things started to bug us in japan and i guess you just miss home that sure of course then there was the other thing that naomi was now uh, school age. Ah, right. And okay. so, and there's a choice to be made there. Yes. Right? Naomi and Courtney are better at Japanese than English. And so there was a choice of do we want our kids to grow up being first language Japanese, second language English, or the other way around? Right. And that was a pretty easy decision. That, that part was right. easy. Right. Yes. So back we come. And at that stage, the only place that was advertising for a Japanese teacher yep. was Crossways Lutheran School, mm -hmm. Sejuna. Oh, right. Okay. Not close to home. No. The beauty of it was that Jody grew up in Sejuna. Oh, right. And so there's a family connection there that okay. I had visited there before, you know, only for a few days. Yep. So off we go. Okay. They also dangled the carrot of a leadership position. Okay. So that was Appealing. cool sure. as well. 
Mm. But it was okay. the only good thing about that year was <laughs> it was 2004 and Port Adelaide won the premiership. <laughs> I wondered if we were going to get through this podcast without you mentioning Port Adelaide winning something. <laughs> There All you right. have it. So that was the only good thing about that I'm year. I'm sure there were other things good. But in hindsight. It. It, just, <laughs> it just wasn't a good fit. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Compounded with the fact that you're missing Japan, I imagine, a bit. Missing Japan. And then Japan wouldn't, would maybe not be so hard to miss if I'm back in normal. Right. Normal Australia. Not... I'm not saying that I know you is abnormal, but it was different for me. It was a new... Right, so it's another thing. new thing. Yes. Where you'd possibly rather have been in the other new thing <laughs> that you'd become okay with. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. So it, was so it a, wasn't home. No. Still wasn't home. No. No. Right. So leaving not home for not home. Yep. It's hard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. So is that only a year? So he comes... <laughs> Uh, proof that God looks after us and God's got got <laughs> yep. a plan. That Jodie and I talk and go, the job back in the village in Japan is up for grabs. Okay. Shall we go back to Japan rather than being here in Sejuna? Right. So I apply for that job. Yes. And get offered the position back in Japan. Yes. Then some common sense comes into the <laughs> right. the debate and we chatted through and went, okay, we've just left that because we wanted our kids to be in an English-speaking environment predominantly. Yes. And having spent 12 months doing that, we're now going to throw them back into Japanese. And if we go back, will we actually ever come back? Okay, Australia. that was the consideration. Okay. So, I remember the day, I remember the phone call oh. to the person in charge of that job in the village. I remember saying no. I have never had such difficulty saying the word no right. in my life. Okay. That was really tough. Right. But I did it. I said no. It then turns out a person at Investigator College, mm -hmm. the Japanese teacher that first gave me the chance okay. to teach a bit of Japanese, they also had applied for that job oh, in the village. right. Because I had kept in touch with them, so they sure. knew the fun that I was having in the village and right. thought, hmm, they thought, oh, I have a piece of that. Yes. <laughs> so they were then, when I knocked the job back, they were then offered the position in the village over in Oh, Japan. right. Okay. So Investigator College now needs a Japanese teacher because that person's going. Back home. I'm in. So I apply for that position at Investigator College. Yeah. The rest get, is history. I get back to Victor Harbour. So I, I definitely I feel like I was definitely meant to say no okay. to that job, just how everything then lined up mm. that got us home. Yes, instead of away again. Yes. Okay. I have so many questions. Um, so you've brought into this part of the story one of the other elements of this podcast is that um, there's a tension between what you love, what you're good at, 
earning a living and responsibilities. Yes. And I feel like the last little part of the story you just told me is like a little microcosm of all of those things bouncing around together. Yes. And I don't hear you being upset that you have responsibilities, but there's a reality around like if it was just you and Jody and no children, I we, imagine you might have not left. Correct. You're not upset about that, but that's part of that's now the new that's part of life, right? That's your yes. that's your responsibilities yeah, in there's, play. There's other people to yeah. think of. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so that's why I then say to, you know, young adults, I say, this is your moment. You're not going to get a time in your life where you have less responsibilities. <laughs> it's no. just going to get more, right? No. Yeah. So um, it gets harder. It doesn't right. get easier. And right. I, I say this, I've said it to my kids over and over again. You know, when you hear those older people saying, enjoy your school years, enjoy your young yeah. years, because yeah. it only gets harder. Well, the reality is that's true. Yeah. And it's not impossible. No, but it is harder, right? Because yes. it becomes more, uh, more complicated, and there are more people to consider. Um, and I think that is, you know, that's a powerful decision uh, as a parent to to say we want something for our children, for them to grow up in a in a certain space, be connected with family, and learning a language, <laughs> learning English as their first language. That's a powerful decision. In yes. the midst of what could have been, you know, was a great opportunity still. Yes. You know, but doesn't come without its weight, I imagine. No. But I, I then thought that I had the best of everything, that I'm yep. in Australia, I'm with my family, but I still have a job that connects me. Yes. Beautifully. Yeah. To something that I love. Yeah. And so... Now, I do not take for granted the opportunities that I have to go back to Japan on school yes. trips yep. and just keep the connection alive. Mm. Yeah, they're fun times. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Okay, that's great. I love that. So um, I imagine your answer might be one of these things that you've already talked about, but one of the things I ask, tend to ask people is, what do you think the most courageous thing you've ever done is? So further to the story, mm -hmm. uh, I start to – I get a leadership role in Investigator College, yep. which was amazing. I'm yep. still amazed at uh, the faith that the principal at that time had in yep. me in yep. giving me that position, and I had a lot of fun in, in mm. doing that position. I, there, it was clearly time that that needed to change. I had spent eight years in that, and I could have kept going in that sure. same position, but I don't know what that would have achieved. Okay. And that I said to a few people, if I haven't done stuff in that position in the eight years or haven't been able to create the change that I wanted to create in that eight years, then it probably was never going to happen. Right, right. And so it was time to... Let that go. Sure. Okay. So letting that go meant finding a different position in another school. Yep. Which was a step up and it meant a shift to another state. Uh, away again. Away again. Yep. Which we had thought was not necessarily an issue because we've done the away thing okay. yes. quite a few times and made that work. Uh, um, and this time it didn't. 
And so the most courageous decision decision that I've had to make uh, with Jody is to walk away from that and to go, right. you know, it was the right thing to try. Yep. It was a good thing to try, but it's not right to stay. Okay. That was really tough. Yeah. And every now and then that still has a sting to it because uh, in making that decision it was – with some knowledge of um, we let other people's thoughts worry mm, us too much. Okay. So there was the idea that other people would be thinking, here comes David with his tail between his legs. That, coming back. That didn't work. Right. Yeah. Told you it wouldn't, right. wouldn't work. Right, okay. So that was, that was tough. Yeah, was yeah. Very tough. Yeah, right. In hindsight, I look back at that now and go, I'm really, really grateful that I sure. w had that experience and I have a much, much better understanding of who I am and what's important to me okay. because of that decision that didn't work out. Yep. I was just saying to someone this morning that um, often the things we end up saying no to define us more than the things that we say yes to. And I think that can be very true. I think um, the defining decision to say no to going back to Japan or mm. saying no yes. to this other, which I understand was a large leadership role somewhere yes. else, the decision to actually say no to things, they're actually, they tend to be the powerful things because they help clarify the things that we say yes to. Yes, for and sure. I think sometimes we think that all the yeses are the important bits, but actually, no. I think the the nos, the nos are the clarifying ones, um, and it's okay to say no. Uh, I, they're the words <laughs> I was going to say. It yep. is okay to say no, and I think we live in a world where it's yes, 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 mm. yes, yes, yes. Mm. Well, actually, yeah, it is all right to say no to stuff and. Mm. I'm learning. I don't have to be pushing the boundaries all the time. I I was always on this ladder of how can I improve myself? How can and to a degree I still sure. have that in me that I'm sure. still trying to uh, I like learning. I think it's yep. a teacher thing. Well, it's sure. not just a teacher thing, but people like to learn. Yeah. Some and people. So, some. <laughs> some. Um so, yes, but it's okay just to be still for a yeah, little bit right. as, as well. Right. And just go off in a different, not necessarily go up, but out in. Right. That's different. Yes. That's a very different direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to think what I, I do have. I have many questions, but I'm trying to work out what tangent we, um, we had to. So let's go back for a second. Um, so how many years have you been teaching for now? 28. 28 years. Um, I asked the question in the – I send out a survey to people who uh, come on the podcast. And some people answer it, some people don't. You, you did. You spent some time on it. And, um, one of the questions in there is if, if anything were possible and – I, what was the term I, a friend of mine used? If um, if money and time weren't an issue, 
what would you what would you like to choose to be doing next or now what like is there anything you would change if money and time weren't an issue and 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 you knew that what you were going to go and do would work is there anything there is there anything there i don't i don't know i grizzle and complain a lot about the situation <laughs> that i'm in but i think the reality is i'm in a really good spot yeah. That there's a connection in teaching Japanese. There's that connection. There's yep. the sport involvement. And I have the outside of school sport involvement. Yep. That's such a big part of our family's life. I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily think that I work. Because most of the time when I'm in a classroom with kids, mm. that's more play. It has a feeling of play for me rather okay. than... Oh, I'm going into the classroom to work now. The work bit is the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that could, yes, yes, I won't get into meetings, but anyway, yep. I was going to say things that could be done by email, but actually, no, we don't want any more emails no, in our life. No more emails in our life. No, is there a ban emails completely? So, okay, so, but is there an element of play? Because why is there an element of play? What's there about that? Because that that would be fascinating for some people. I think there'd be some people listening who would quite like their work to feel like play. Is there? I think because there's so many kids in the classroom, mm-hmm. and it's trying to connect with them and trying yep. to force them to think <laughs> right and i'm a huge fan of that <laughs> there's some play in that yeah and uh we'll have a lot of good discussions mm. and japanese or oh, the culture of japan opens up so many right. areas to to discuss and to get people to think about right when the culture is so different to ours so yeah. i have a lot of fun with the I'm not saying necessarily saying this is right or this is wrong, but where do you sit with this? Right, and asking right students to to think through those things, yep. and I often say to to people who question the value of second language learning, as I say, my answer to that always is that I'm not in this so that in 30 years' time people will remember how to conjugate a verb in Japanese. <laughs> uh, if they do, I can't do that in English. So. I can't do it, English, can't do it in Japanese. <laughs> if they do, that's a bonus. But if they've become really good people and know what their values and culture are and and are, are really good at reflecting on that and building upon that and right. have a good understanding of what's important to them because or partly because we've bounced those ideas around yeah. in our Japanese lesson, then right. I'll be I'll be really pleased that the the language stuff that will be a bonus. Well, that's yeah. the value of language, art, music. It's not that people are going to become musicians or artists or Japanese teachers, right? It's for me. I think it's the difference between teaching and education. Yes. Right. Yes. And some people might think that's the same thing. I don't. I, I don't. And I, I the the teachers that I meet who are educators. I know some teachers who are teachers, but I also know some teachers who are educators and they would see themselves as that. That that, um, that journey of helping young people think, expose them to 
a worldview or culture or way of thinking or concept that they wouldn't naturally have exposure to is the point of education. So it strikes me that to do that, to do that in a way around a topic that you love and have the permission and the space to hold that space with young people to help them think is why it might feel like play. Yes. <laughs> because it's what you love. It's a, it's a molding of those things, what you love, what you're good at, your skills, your ability to provide for your family and your responsibilities. It's when those things start to click together. Like, and I guess the, that's the desire for all of us, I imagine. So I get, I'm not saying it's easy. And I know there's no. plenty of struggle and there's plenty yes. of, oh, I wish things were a bit better or different. But there seems like elements of that story that you've told that it, some of those things seem to have come in harmony a little bit. They have. They seem they to have. click together. And there are many people who don't have that. Yeah. And, a part of the st- the journey that I haven't mentioned is that there was the moment where I thought um, studying theology would be a good, right. a good path. Then you woke up to yourself, and <laughs> and I did, and I will always be really grateful, really thankful for the lecturer that I had yeah. who put me through this shape project, right, which spoke about. Um, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. Yes. Right. And then where did you had to go through all of those things and then back up what you were saying with the experiences mm. to prove it? Well, it all going through that was such a valuable experience because it all just led to actually what I'm really good at. Yeah. Is what I'm doing. Yeah. And how amazing to be confir- affirmed in that. Yeah. It was tough because in coming yeah. to that conclusion, I felt first felt, oh, that's just a cop-out. That's just the easy answer <laughs> to a difficult question. <laughs> but I now recognise that there was a lot of truth in that. What what was really beautiful for me, I had had leadership positions for a long time, but it made me realise that I was okay at those positions and I got better at those positions, but it wasn't really natural right. for me. That That took a lot of effort. Yeah. To be in that spot. Yeah. So it's a lot less stressful and a lot more me if I can play uh, a support role. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And help people out that way. Because my whole, I used to say that my leadership style was servant leadership. Mm. It doesn't always work. There needs to be. Yes. More in some situations. So situational leadership theory would tell you that there are times where you need to pull out a different style. <laughs> and I accept and recognise that I don't necessarily have different styles. So Okay. And that's I'm, okay. And but that, that doesn't totally necessarily okay. mean it's compatible with certain types of roles. No. Right? So here I am. Yep. I'm, I don't have a leadership role at school. But within and outside of school, I have a lot of roles where I support people. Yep. And, and help people. I'm, I don't think I'll ever be the out the front person yeah. waving the banner saying, come behind me, come follow me. Sure. And that's okay. And that took a while to work out that that yeah. is okay because we live in a world that pushes that, that yep. you know, be a leader, be out the front, be yeah. you show Especially the way. in career progression, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, it was a hard and long road to go through 
uh, for me to accept within myself that that's okay not not to be there. And other people have opinions on that. Yeah. Always. Um, so, you know, my statement about myself has always been just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yes. <laughs> I can do a lot of things. It doesn't mean I want to do them or yeah. that I should do them. Um, and some of the things that I'm actually very good at come at a cost and I'm not willing to pay that cost anymore personally to be able to get those outcomes. So I need to find my find my spot. Um, and the analogy I used was, you know, you can become a very good, you can be a very good doctor, but sometimes you can end up running the hospital. But the problem is you are a really good doctor and it's okay to know you're a really good doctor and be a really good doctor and not take on the weight of the responsibility of running the hospital. doesn't mean you don't care. doesn't mean you're not going to help and serve the person who is running the hospital and have opinions and give input. But ultimately, if you're a really good doctor, give yourself permission to be a really good doctor. And if you're a really good language teacher that expands people's horizons and asks them to think about their worldview and challenges their paradigms of the way they think about how the world works and you're really good at that, be a really good language teacher. Because yeah. you know what? The world needs really good language teachers. The world needs really good doctors. The world needs really good – we don't all need to be leaders. That was the other thing I said. Yeah. If everyone's a leader, there's no one to follow. Yes. <laughs> like – we need people who are willing to be part of that process. They don't have to be the person in the front shouting the orders. And so, but you're right. That is a massive journey, though, right? Yes, that was a lot of years in the making. You got to work that out. Sometimes the hard way. Yes. By putting things on that are too heavy for you or that don't fit. But again, we're back to but saying no to things. There's the powerful moments. Yes. I'm not going to pursue that anymore. It's not something I aspire for or need in my life to feel like I've... And, and we live... Um, I certainly perhaps have people in my community that uh, you need to go the next step of the ladder to value your... Sure. ...worth. Well, that's all rubbish. Right. Right. That you don't have to aspire or work... Like crazy to get to the next level. No, that that next level just might not be the step you need to. And no, I do, I do like. I haven't really thought of the how I've become broader in my experiences and yep. in my skills, and yep. not necessarily higher yep. in them. But the trees' branches have mm. gone out and covers more shade. Yeah, creates more shade. Yeah, right. Being a broader yeah tree than necessarily yeah. a higher. Tree. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's the journey. I think, uh, and the reason why I think these kinds of conversations for people who listen to the podcast, the reason they're encouraging is I think we're all on a, a different part of that journey of working that out. And you know, there's plenty of people I know who are listening right now to the podcast in this season saying. I've been pushing and pushing, and you know what? I, that's not what I value. It's um, it depends what you measure. I think we're starting to ask the question: oh, Am I measuring the right things? Like, is actually are these things that I think culturally or societally what we I, that are the measures of success or whatever you want to call it? Do I care about measuring those things anymore, or actually am I measuring some other things? Am I measuring? building memories with my children. Am I measuring having margin in my life to serve other people in my community? Am I, 
is that more important? Are they the things that I want to measure rather than um, a certain role or a certain income or a certain opportunity? Or Now, maybe. I'm not knocking it. Maybe for some people that is their next step and they should step into leadership and they should look for those roles. I'm, 100%. Yes. But that doesn't mean that's a story for everybody. No. And, and it doesn't mean that they're better than the other people. No. And and you have – I think for me part of, part of my journey in leadership when I've been in large leadership roles has always been about trying to give people the permission they need to make the decision they need, not the decision anybody else thinks they need. So, so it's, like it's okay, one, to see the world the way you do, two, to measure different things to other people. And people will have opinions, but ultimately you need to work out what you value and, and measure the things in association with that. And for me, uh, that's that's the point. That's that's where that whole balance is. That What do you love? What do you do? How do you earn a living? What are your skills? What are you good at? What are your responsibilities? How have you put a life together? And that is like the common question. That's the common story, I think, and why I think it's important to to have these discussions with people. We get caught up. You meet a new person. Yep. What's your, your first question? What's your name? Yeah. What Second do you do? question, what do you do? And then straight away, you're going, oh, how much money? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's they right. Make, what's, what's the importance right. of that person, which is, is not healthy. No. Whereas, no. you know, if we ask what's your name, what really excites you? Yeah. What's your passions? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, what do you love? That's I yeah. love that. You know, um, well, that's it. Michael, who I interviewed just a few episodes ago. My friend Michael, who's a creative and artist, and Scott, he's a, so many things. Michael, um, but he's the one who, when people say, "What do you do?" He says, "I'm a semi-professional skateboarder." And people say, "What?" He says, "I'm a semi-professional skateboarder." And they go, "You earn a living from from skateboarding?" He goes, "No, that's the semi-professional bit." And they're like, "What?" He goes, well, you ask me what I do and I do skateboard and I do love it. But literally, that's the answer that question deserves. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yes. ask me someone else. And he said, one of two things happen. People are fascinated by that and they want to talk more and they lean in or people don't have time for it and they go, what a stupid answer. And they walk off and he goes, and I go, I've just saved myself some time. I don't need to talk to people <laughs> who, don't, who I don't want to talk to. <laughs> like, kind of, like, ask me someone else. Like, ask me if you want to... I vividly remember a friend of, two friends of mine meeting for the first time over dinner. And I'd pre pre prepped one of them. I said, I challenge you to try and have dinner with him and not ask him what he does. Just one of them. I didn't tell both of them. So I challenge you not to. And they had the, they were sat at the other end of the table, had all these families, and they had the best night. I knew they'd get on, and they, they had common interests, and they just... I had just a whale of a time, just get to know each other. At the end of the night, he said to me, what a guy. Like, he's a great guy. I said, yeah, he is. And told me all these stories and all the things they talked about. And I said, do you know what he does? And he went, I have no idea. I said, you just managed an entire night getting to know a guy. You haven't got a clue what he does for a job. And he said, I honestly have no idea. It never came up. I said, well, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, you can get amazing. to know somebody. Yes. And that's not part that not only is it not the starting point, it's actually not overwhelmingly relevant. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Now, it could be relevant because it could be woven into their story, but 
but it doesn't have to be so essential that it's the only thing you talk about. That's my premise. There are other things you can discover about each other, like what you love, each other's families. Yes. Like that's – we'll get to the other stuff. It could be what you do, but it's not necessarily who you are as a person. That's right. And and my hope is over time – over time, you define what you do as being a little bit more in line with what you love and who you yes. are. But people are at different stages. And there'll be plenty of people who would tell you what they do right now and say, but it's not really what I love, but I'm doing it for a reason or for a season. That's how, I get that. I'm, I'm, I just find it. Yeah, we're, we're bigger than that. People are more fascinating than that. There's more, to, there's more about us than that stuff. Having said that, I think it's the question we're all trying to work out. How do we bring those two things kind of into... A little bit more into focus, so they they don't disappear. Ikigai, ikigai, right? This is so. <laughs> that's my only Japanese term that I know. What's so? What's the literal translation of that? I don't know. I don't. Did I tell you that? It's, it's not some blue flower. It's not blue so, flower, but it's that. It is that. It's it's from the life my, purpose. It's the life it? purpose. It's like the higher reason for yes. like meaning, kind of. That's that. I remember we had that, and it's that. It's almost like an intangible kind of thing. I I, I think it's like this. Yeah, and, and that's, we, we, we all search for it, and we all continue yeah. to search for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, we're at different stages in that, and that is okay. But giving ourselves permission to be at those different stages is is okay. Too. That's the whole point. And yeah. I think if we could all just go back to my thing, I think I say every podcast, here's the magic piece of information. We're all making this up as we go along, and anybody who tells you they're not is lying. Correct. So if that's true, how about we drop the pretense? How about we stop trying to impress each other and outdo each other for a second? How about we step into that space and say, where are you on that journey? Here's where I'm at. Maybe I could learn something from yours. Maybe you could learn something from mine. And for me, that's the beginnings of why I bother doing this podcast. So, David... Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your story. Um, Let me assure you, there are things in your story that are going to be encouraging and challenging to people. And in the way you said, what have I got to tell? Let me tell you, plenty. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To stay up to date, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. For more information, go to www.fleafactory.com.au and you'll find us on all of your social media platforms.